Triple M's Real Football Show. Where Chris Dittmar, Albie Kidd and Val Migliaccio discuss the biggest issues affecting fans of the round ball. Terrific run and a super finish. The Triple M Real Football Show. Well, what a day in Adelaide anyway. And uh, welcome to the Triple M Real Football Show. And we've got a massive, massive show. And welcome back after a couple of weeks off. Maria Jose Rawhaus joining Hello, us Sky Blue FC now. Yes, yes, we will talk about that later. But yes, mm. exciting, exciting moments and and what a beautiful day, huh? <laughs> it's fantastic. Blue it's skies, about nice. 26 here in Adelaide and around Australia and the rest of the world. Hopefully the day is as beautiful as uh, what we've got here. Johnny Perini as yes. well. Thanks, mate. Good to be back again. It is. And we've got a we've got a massive show. We've got a really interesting guest and uh, it's a little bit left field, but mm. We've decided to go to an expert in the field of transfers in the United States because the US, as everybody probably knows or doesn't know, is really taking off with the transfer market development and the game's grown way, way beyond what I expected it would be. And I think Australia can look at the US model Mm. and maybe take something from it. So we'll chat with Andrew Visnovsky. He's a sports law and management consultant for North American soccer, and he will be extremely interesting. Now, Kote, before we get into the <laughs> I, I sort of had a whisper a few, uh, maybe about a month ago, you're going to go to Sydney FC. It's oh, finally happened. Okay. okay. <laughs> yes. So well, yes, what happened? Did. What happened? Why didn't you, you stay didn't with break Adelaide? it, though. <laughs> well, I was sworn to see <laughs> <laughs> No, look... Um, it's, it was an, uh, an easy decision because, uh, obviously, um, I'm in Adelaide. I was part of Adelaide United last season, and um, they won me back. So, um, yeah, it's uh, you know, to make a decision is never easy again. But I think it's, it's a great opportunity for my football. It's a great opportunity um, to keep uh, developing uh, my skills, to keep learning, to adapt to a new team, and, and to have also, you know, a different staff member. So I think it's, it's, it's just about when I made that decision, it's for me to grow my game, to, to, to hopefully, mm. you know, look and think not just to help them as a team, but to win. And you've got a really good coach. I worked with uh, Ante Juric. At, oh, I didn't work with him. I was on the media side of it at the, at the World Cup in Canada in 2015, and he was an assistant to Alan Stadjic with Ross Aloisi. What a character and, and what a great coach. You must be looking forward to working with him. Yeah, yeah, obviously. That's what is it, you know, it's, also, it's, it's a, what is, I'm excited for because, um, as you said, Abel, it's, uh, he's a great coach, great person, but also you look back and say, hey, how many times they have won? Uh, and that shows, you know, um, there is a good coach out there and who is um, making his team performing. And it's exciting to see um, to see that and to be challenged, to be honest with you. It's going to be challenging mm. for me, but I'm excited. And Wellington are in the league now as well. Yes. Which is fancy. So Wellington I think Phoenix. Gonna, uh, it's going to lift up a lot. So it's exciting. It's exciting to have that type of competition where it's not just, you know, now with Wellington from <coughs> New Zealand to have different <coughs> players in the league. And, and, and yeah, it's exciting again. And for all fans, I think, too. So... I don't know if the fixtures are out just yet, but are you looking forward to maybe coming here to play against Adelaide United? And, and what do you think the reception will be like? Uh, look amazing. Um, Adelaide United, they were um, happy for this opportunity, happy for me to take this opportunity. And, you know, I'm obviously always grateful 
to Adelaide United for the club and all fans. They have messaged me and, you know, and sad faces because they were supporting me. They were great last season and, and they were coming to my games. And, and I always appreciate that love. So thank you to all my people in Adelaide, all fans from Adelaide United. And thank you to the club as well, my teammates. And amazing. Again, this is an opportunity that it's not easy. It's, it's not it's not easy to say no because I think it's it's, mm. it's going to take me, you know, um, to somewhere where I'm going to be challenged. You're going to be truly missed in South Australia. I know that for sure. <laughs> Thanks, and uh, But has uh, any, anyone reached out to you yet from your new home in Sydney? Any players? Yeah, yeah. No, we obviously um, we have a group chat and emails that I'm receiving about preseason, about... Uh, the medicals about you know um, all the information. Some teammates they've been great already messaged me and 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 telling me you know welcome and 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 so on. So it's exciting. It's exciting. Looking forward to it. Now let's let's move on. Now this is a hot topic to debate. And like um, this week, uh, moving to all the different cable providers to watch a game of football is doing my head in because I'm a little bit older than than Johnny. A lot yep. older than Johnny. <laughs> Just a little bit. A bit more. older than you, Cote. Just a few years more. Now, okay, I'll give you the scenario. Well, just to, just to clarify, it's not cable providers, it's streaming services. Okay, streaming. <laughs> See, that, that's, that's the lingo I'm not even familiar with. Okay, so just to, to paint the picture. Now, I live in Australia, for example. If I want to watch the A-League, Socceroos and W-League, I need to buy Paramount Plus at eight ninety nine a month. Mm-hmm. Okay, which I haven't done yet. But oh, you haven't? No, because the A-League and well, W-League is not on yet, but the soccer is you can get it on, on template, mm. yeah. which was a nightmare to get on my TV, okay, because I had to get it from... <laughs> we had that debate last week. telephone, <laughs> go to Chromecast. It wasn't streaming properly, but anyway, that's another issue. Yeah, and let's think that not everyone is good with technology. Mm. No, but I, well. I got my son to do it. Oh, okay. He's, uh, you know, in the 20s, and he was struggling. But anyway, because there was, there was a problem with the stream, yep. but that's, that's another issue. Now, I like watching the World Cup qualifiers, especially from Europe and wherever. So I need Optus Sport. 20 bucks a month. Okay. But that's the thing. The, hang on, mate. Right, hang no, on, let me finish. Europeans on there. and I'm just, let, let me finish. Go. All right, let go. <laughs> now, Champions League, I'm in love with it because the competition is so high. I'm a Juve fan. This morning, I was watching Liverpool take on AC Milan. The quality of football, I need Stan. Another 10 bucks a month. Mm. Right? Okay. Serie A. I love the Italian Serie A. I have to have B in sport, which I can get through the KO premium, and I, which I haven't because we got Fox. That's 25 a month. Now, if you add it up, rough mathematics, that amounts to 65 a month to get all these providers to watch football, which I love from right around the world. Now, I'm just I'm being the devil, devil's advocate. Say, young family... Say two kids in the family, partner, wife, husband, for argument's sake, they want to go to watch Adelaide United for a standalone game, sit in the Western Grandstand because it's 40 degrees outside, it might cost them close to $200 a match. This is what A-League clubs are up against now. So there's not all that much money for a lot of people to watch football. Mm. They've got to to balance. And this is the point I want to debate. Why has it become such a nightmare now? I think it's, you know, the the, the most difficult part is... Or it's for us, for fans, if I really want to watch, you know, Champions League, um, A-League and all these big leagues tournaments, 
it becoming difficult. And I think it's sad to see that they are working separately. I mean, every single one of them wants to make their money, but they are not thinking actually about fans. How about we create a platform where you download that and you get to watch everything and every, yeah, every yeah. single of them, they get one, like a percentage, a percentage. Mm. First of all, is I was talking to a friend last night, yesterday, before Champions League this morning, and I was like, how can we watch the Champions League? Some people don't even know no. where to watch it. Some people don't know that they have to download an app. Sometimes you don't You're even right. know that you have to go a subscription. What? People will be like, what? What do I have to do? So it's becoming difficult. It's becoming more money. People are just like, <clears throat> they're not going to watch it anymore. <clears throat> That's how I feel. Like yeah, They, yeah, they yeah, use yeah, the highlights, YouTube. Go YouTube for free. Yeah. Obviously, you want to watch the whole game. But if the people people are busy and they don't even have time to download that, and even yeah, now it's becoming money a problem, it's going to be too expensive. Yeah. The, 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 my main concern is too, okay, I'm lucky enough where we've got, I've got all these streaming services to watch the football I like. It's going to impact on watching live football, getting people out from behind the telephone to watch football behind the TV to get them out to say to watch A-League and W. But I think because that costs extra money. Mm. Yeah, but even, you know, yeah, I know it's co- it costs extra money, but it's always different to go and watch the games. I, I think know, I know families yeah, yeah. love to go out there and take their kids. Look at look at this point. Like, kids likes to be in, with phones and technology all the time. Yeah, they pay maybe for the app, but you know what? Yep. They don't want the kids to be with their phone no. or in front of the TV. You know what? Let's go out there. Let's go and watch the game. So, it's big different. I think the problem right now what's happening is what we are for a league, hopefully people get to the stadium and you know Absolutely. they watch it from there. And I'm gonna the do case. I'm gonna do what I do best is that, and be positive about about it all. If you look at it in my way, wait, Johnny, that's not being negative. That's factual. What I no, 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 no. But I always, right. I, it's I factual. no, absolutely factual. But what I want to say is that with um, Fox Sports, when I when it was EPL was on there, Serie A was on there, the A League, everything was on Fox Sports, and uh, I used to pay about seventy min, the minimum seventy dollars a month just for Fox Sports, and uh, to include this um, the sports package in there. But now, adding all four of those up, Paramount Plus, Optus, Stan, and KO works out to $69 a month for four different streaming services. And not only that, Paramount Plus and also Stan, you get movies and TV shows um, all direct from like the US everywhere, Australian ones as well, in that as well. So you're not just getting sport. So there's a lot more in there involved. Yeah. I know it's a lot of packages you've got to buy, but if you look at it, 60, uh, six, uh, $69 a month is not much for... Yeah, what but you're you getting. tell that to a guy who's a labourer, he's got like two and three kids, a wife, and he wants to bring them to Highmarsh Stadium and for a standalone, and he's got to fork out big money. Mm. I'm talking, I'm mm. talking for the for the common man. I, I, know, not, I know exactly, I know, yeah, but I've got, I know people that are paying $130 a month for just Foxtel, yeah. and but again, I'm talking it's on a lot behalf ju- of the common people. Yeah, I'm a com- yeah, I'm a common person as well. I'm not going to be buying all those packages. I'm only yeah. going to get Paramount Plus. That's it. Yeah. Um, so you either. Maybe you either buy the package or you either go to the stadium. I think where yes. is this coming from? Like, I think clubs is well, that they we have to arrange something for big families, and I think that we. Well, I think the A League clubs have got to deal with with Paramount. Yes. So you yeah, get if you if you remember you get discount, but which works out to two dollars discount a month. Yeah, which is yeah. fine. But if you're like me, you like watching Juve. I have to have be in sport. I like watching the World Cup qualifiers. I've got to get Optus Sport. Mm. So mm. you know. Well, I'm lucky that I got Optus 4 for free on my, um, when you got Optus streaming server, uh, your phone dip bill, okay. bill, it comes with it. So that's not everyone's, but, so that does make it easier. But I do understand with you, Val, it is a lot of money. How about this before we get into the next uh, segment? 
How about this? I read this earlier in the week. Neymar. Okay, from PSG. This is crazy, Cote. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how. He must have a really, really good agent. He, he earns... 375,000 euro net a month. Yes, he does. Extra. Extra. As part of an ethical bonus that's including in his, included in his PSG contract. Some of the clauses include for him to get the money, saluting the fans, <laughs> being on time for training, <laughs> and not criticising the club publicly. Wow, that's you know that's really good manager, obviously good business, but just to be um, a good boy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, but you isn't have that bonuses. part of the contract anyway? Salute the fans, you know. Don't publicly <laughs> criticize your club and turn turn up for training on time. Isn't that just normal? Yeah, well, you should be able to do that and and not just sign something that is forcing you to do it, but. I think it's more than that. They obviously is to attract, you know, to pay him that amount of money. They had to say something, to be honest with you. And then bonuses are everywhere. Mm. Some clubs goals, and but these bonuses are crazy. <laughs> to say cool, hi to the fans, to say hi to the fans, and and you know, not post anything. I don't think I haven't seen a player posting really bad things about their own club. I don't think that usually happens. But anyways, that's, that's a weird one. PSG and and look, if they have money. Just just to be present there, pay him. But, yeah, I don't think it's right, though. There Too much go. money. Too much money. It's the Real Football Show. Pulisic! Barrison in the upper 90! In a match in which the U.S. have shown so much character. It's their first ever Champions League winner who played in the final, who answers the call in the very next final. Well, how about that? Christian Pulisic, a fantastic player from the United States of America and uh, obviously um, a massive player for Chelsea. But joining us now live from the United States is Andrew Visnovsky. And this is going to be a very interesting chat about the market in the United States. Now, he's a sports management consultant, sports lawyer, and he works in and around the North American soccer leagues. Uh, welcome, Andrew. How's it going, guys? Hi, Andrew. Thank you for joining us. Now, where, whereabouts are you located at the moment? Uh, I'm in uh, Brooklyn at the moment. Okay. Um, South Brooklyn, if you want to get really my office. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, the interesting thing about the, the, the U.S. market now for soccer, and, and it's huge transfer business. And Australia, I, I think, and I th- it was. We were ahead of the U.S. for development, transfers and business, mm-hmm. and in my opinion now, we should be looking at the U.S. model about how mm. the United States is going about going its business because we've fallen behind. We're in a similar situation. Soccer's not the number one sport in this country, nor is it in the U.S. What has happened in the last two decades with U.S. soccer? Um, well, I think that there has been a big strategic shift in how uh, Major League Soccer views itself and also how it understands its place in the global market. Um, I think early in MLS's um, life cycle, it focused a lot on trying to be the NFL of soccer. Yeah. um, And wasn't really, didn't really wasn't really that cognizant and honestly didn't really care about what was happening in the rest of the world and really just wanted to like build 
fans first. And so their, their player um, investment and their playing so- player signing mechanisms were really focused on how do we get people to come to games, right? So they would sign David Beckham's. They yeah. would sign um, Thierry Henry's. Um, guy, guys that have that even even the most casual fan would like, know their name and be interested in going to see them play, but not necessarily guys that are like at the peak of their career, at the peak of their performance. Um, and in, I would say, not even the past like ten or twenty years, but the past like five years, yeah. the league the league is sort of focused and and realized that. Before it can run, it has to walk, and and to do that, it needs to be able to to sort of be a, a place that can sort of develop talent both both domestically and through importing young talent, and that the 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 that it is it is better for their management of their of the league and sort of the growth of the league to sort of go through the steps of the growth and that it has to be more of a Netherlands, more of a Portugal, more of a Brazil before it has to get to that level before it can be on the same level as the, the premier league yeah. or the Bundesliga. Yeah. Um, so you, we've seen that the, the league has sort of increased spending exponentially and added categories of types of players to sign on their senior officers, but also, it has invested significantly in player development academies, which is like a very foreign concept um, in American soccer business. Andrew, um, uh, just um, yeah. by you saying that, well, you mentioned also big, big names. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. the, um, um, it's a lot of money to bring those players into the league. Mm-hmm. But um, do you do you think it's enough um, investing that? You get, you gain the money back. I mean, it's a business, and thinking that you have to mm-hmm. invest that amount of money potentially in big names to attract, mm-hmm. you know, people and to attract, you know, um, in the world actually the league. Uh, do you get that in return? Or it's 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 a worth it. Uh, I I think I think that's the question that that MLS and and North American soccer leagues are always sort of trying to decide, like. What is the ROI on signing a player? And is it a matter of direct ROI in the transfer market? Like, are you better off signing a player that nobody knows about for yeah. like $5 million and then selling them on to for, for $20 million or $10 million? Yeah. Or is it better for your bottom line to sign a big-name player for... There, never it's never been thirty, but like for fifteen million or or ten million, and not get any return in the transfer market, but get a financial return in ticket revenues and yeah. media rights and yeah. and fan Yeah, and I think that for a while there's there was sort of this dichotomy that you couldn't do both, right? Like you couldn't have you couldn't sign unknown players to sell them in the in the transfer market and still grow your brand and grow your market. Yeah. And I think MLS realized that like most of the players that they were signing, even the big names, like you still have like are still sort of unknowns in the American market. So yeah. that sort of benefit isn't huge. Um 
and that you can sort of grow your fan base by fostering the growth of these, these yeah. young players. And you, you can start to see that with how teams are and how the league is marketing like young, domestically developed players um, in that those players are, in some cases, becoming the stars of the league. And as the transfers are becoming bigger and they're going to bigger clubs, like people are coming to the, the teams to watch these players Mm. Um, to see the next big thing, the next Pulisic, the next McKenney, yeah, the yeah, next yeah. guy that's going to sign with today, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and I think MLS is slowly realizing that there's a big financial benefit to that as well. So just you touched on player development academies, which was an unknown for the US, and, and you also touched on Christian Pulisic, and I've got rough values here. Chelsea, 75 mm-hmm. million. Um, this is Australian dollars, by the way. Gio Reyna, mm-hmm. Borussia Dortmund, 57 million. Weston McKenna, Juventus, value 37. I'll give you the top three Australians. Matt Ryan, mm-hmm. Real Sociedad, valued at 18 million. He's the highest Australian. Lyndon Dykes, he plays for Scotland. And QPR, an Australian, 8.3. Milos Degenak, uh, Red Star, 5.77 million. What's driven, mm-hmm. is it player development now, which is driving the 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 how can I say the uh, the price of a player? I mean, Christian Pulisic is world class. Weston McKenney is as well. So so yeah. is Rangio. So what's what's happened with development over there? I think well, it's funny because I think Christian is of 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 the three. Christian is like the least a product of like the the concerted effort by MLS to develop players. And yeah. I think every country is going to have that sort of outlier star soccer player, right? Like. Before MLS Academies, uh, MLS had like Clint Dempsey and Landon Donovan. Australia obviously has Tim Cahill. There's a lot of these guys that just exist, and it doesn't matter how you have the academies. But for guys like um, Weston McKinney and Giorena, um, they're, they're products of this, this investment in academies and this investment in youth. Um, Gio played um, for a lot of years in the New York City. Academy, um, Weston played in the, the FC Dallas Academy for a while before he went to Schalke. And I think, I, I think there's two sides of it. I think that there, that the, like Weston and Christian and to a lesser extent, Geo sort of made people realize that you Americans can, can contribute at the highest levels in European soccer. Yeah. Um, and, and can do well, like Christian scoring when he's 16 in the, in the Bundesliga, I think turned a lot of heads and, and to realize that Americans are good at soccer. Um, and so I think that's part of it. It's just like there's a breakout player and then people like start looking and start scouting because yeah. there are soccer players all over the world and you need to have like a directed focus yeah, somewhere yeah. by scouts. Because scouts. Scouts can't watch every, every team every time. And it also provides comparables for, for players. As more players move over to Europe, scouts can say, okay, this player did this in MLS, and now he's doing this, this in Europe, so we can understand how MLS players pan out. And I think that movement is a big part of it, but I also think like MLS teams are spending like 2 to $4 million a year on academies wow. and, and developing players. And, and the Philadelphia Union have shown that that investment can also lead to significant success on the pitch in the league for the first team um, in a way where 
they they can compete with teams with budgets that are that are that dwarf theirs. That there there's some teams in MLS that spend on their top three designated players the same that that Philadelphia, the Philadelphia Union spends on their entire roster. Gee. So I think I think part of it is that like the MLS the, the MLS teams that have invested in youth development have shown that it can it can provide dividends both financially and competitively and also it's sort of a, a virtuous cycle where as more players leave for Europe there's more interested in those players which then creates a more financial viability for investment yeah. in, the, in the UK. Yeah. Also at that the top of the interview you said that you know once upon a time maybe the MLS was trying to be the NFL and I find the same in Australia. I think uh, when the A-League sort of kicked off I think the people mm-hmm. involved in administration wanted to take on the Australian Football League head-on, and it, and it, you can't do that because the sport's too big. So, so what did they do differently in that sense in the US? I think I think it's I think part of it is part of it is that soccer is much more salient to um, younger generations. I think the the FIFA video game has 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 indoctrinated a lot of people to like take a bigger interest in soccer here. And, um, and I think part of it is, is the, the league sort of began to understand that they are an underdog and they have to sort of fight for views and fight for fans and sort of show how they differentiate from, from NFL as, as a media product and as like a live entertainment product. So like they, they've part of it is that they've, they've pivoted a little bit to like resemble resemble European clubs to an extent. Mm. Um, but like I was in LA last week and we went to the LAFC match and their supporter section is a show in and of itself. And it's something that you won't get in any other, other North American sport. And it, even though it, it's sort of modeled after the European model there, like it is very much like LAFC's own thing. And you get the same thing in Portland and you get the same thing in Minnesota and I think like just this investment in like creating an identity and like creating this like this sort of secret club that everybody's allowed to be in if they know about it is something that's sort of grown the popularity of the league over time and will continue to allow it to grow. And I think because the sport has such a young skews so much younger, um, that, that fan base is only going to grow because like like Minnesota United started in 2017 in MLS. They've, they've existed for, what, four years? Yeah. So these people that are lifelong fans are just now buying it. Cool. And that's the level of popularity we're at. So it's, it's, it's a long-term project, and I think, I think that at the beginning, they thought it would be real, a really quick change, and it would be like in, in five years, MLS would be the biggest, the biggest league um, in the U.S. And the joke has always been that soccer is the, the sport of the future in the United States. Um, but fans, um, building fans and building a culture takes time. And I think, I think a lot of teams and the league, um, over time has, have realized that you really have to put it, lay groundwork and, and use time to sort of build connections and build following. Yeah, yeah, Andrew, I think it's, I agree, it takes time. But how different is, um, because with the women's, you know, uh, football, um, obviously it's taking more time. But um, I've seen these days transfers are 
more popular. You see players moving to different clubs. How that works? I mean, we're talking male leagues, male football players, and and we talk we're talking about so much money in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, how this work for women's football? Um, well, on the women's side, I think that. Um, the United States actually had a bit of a um, head start over the rest of the world because of um, how university athletics were funded and how there was a huge uh, Title IX in the United States is a, is a huge piece of legislation that requires that educational institutions that get money from the federal government mm-hmm. have to basically spend equally on women's sports as they do men's sports. So the, the NCAA sort of became this, this um, sort of uh, spring for, for women to sort of play soccer at a high level that wasn't, that wasn't being provided anywhere else in, in the world up, up until that point. No. Um, I think now um, sports teams and federations are sort of under, understanding the value of women's football and sort of understanding the growth potential. And I think in a lot of ways, women's football is growing at a rate abroad faster uh, than it is in the United States. I think there's still some catching up to do. I think people that I know that are much more clued into women's soccer agree that like the top teams, it's the top 20 teams in the NCAA created their own professional league just on level play, it would be one of the top five leagues in the world. So you still have that benefit and like all those players coming to the U S to play soccer and the economics still makes sense, right? Because a college degree is still a very expensive proposition. And if you converted the cost of that college degree and that, that scholarship in women's soccer um, into just raw dollars, the salary, that amount as a salary would make the NCAA one of the highest paying leagues in the world. Yeah, and you so, see it with the new team as well, well, in, Luch- right. in Angeles City um, coming next year. I mean, you see this player, um, Kristen, Kristen Press, um, she was trade uh, for what? She's going to make 700000 per year. I mean, I think she's going to yeah. bet the best pay. Um, you know, the, the her, her wages are incredible and I think that shows how much this club um, and how they want to run it. I think giving the credit to all these players who, who are they also champions. So um, it makes, you know, I think it makes us happy to see that and I hope, you know, more clubs can keep developing women's. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think there is, um, there, there's still a long way to go in, in like salaries for women's football. I think, the next, there's been a big debate on equal pay mm-hmm. um, for women, women's national team players in the United States, and I think it's a huge, um, it's a huge thing that has that has to happen, um, especially because I think the women's national team in the United States is um, far far more popular and successful than the men's national team. Mm-hmm. Um, they should be paid at least equal. But the the real question is going to be, like, what does that equal pay conversation look like at the club level when um, the entire salary budget of an NWSL team, which is one of the top leagues in the world, is, like, about the same as what, like, one 
um, higher level MLS player makes. Yeah. Um, and so I think I think as like teams like um, PSG and Man City and Chelsea start investing in women's football oh, more, yes. you're going to see a big jump in salaries for those women just because of the the, the scale at which they have money to spend. Yes. And it'll be a really interesting question to see as like these these academies in Europe start pumping out talent and, and these, these European clubs start giving more financial incentives to stay in Europe than to go to the U.S., the NCAA, or play in the NWSL, yeah. how women's soccer responds in, in the United States. Well, Andrew Visnovsky, so much information that you've given us. It was absolutely brilliant to chat to you, and hopefully we speak to you soon. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're right behind you because we're, we're in a predicament here with Australian football, and looks like the United States is doing all the right things, and we want to follow your path. Thanks for your time. Yeah, well, if we can, if we can, if we can be a model for anyone, I think that would also be seen as a success. So um, that that would be great. Good on you. We're chatting with sports management consultant Andrew Visnovsky on the Real Football Show. Bruno Fernandez, Sancho in the middle, and there at the far post was Cristiano Ronaldo. It's a great ball, isn't it, from Bruno Fernandez? And Ronaldo is on the move, he's coming right around the outside. No really, no real spell. Oh, it's been given away! It's Sibatu with a chance! Oh, what a gift! What a gift! And John Sibatu, in the last minute of added time, wins the match for Young Boys! Peter Lindelof as well, it's a poor attempt at a back pass, isn't it? Didn't look to see who was there for Young Boys. There's Sibatu. Oh, Manchester United, fantastic to have Cristiano Ronaldo back at the club. And what a great goal he scored the other night. I'm hating it because uh, I'm a Juve fan. He's abandoned (laughs) the club. Oh, is he? Well, if he left, you know, when Donnarumma was being talked about as the number one goalkeeper for Juventus, rather than Chesney, who's having a shocker, we could have had Donnarumma. Now he's sitting on the bench at PSG yeah, and Ronaldo's gone to Manchester. What about when you were on the other side of the fence when he came from Real Madrid over to uh, Juventus? You loved it. Yeah, so now he's gone. <laughs> I thought he should have gone a bit earlier because, you know, he, he comes back to pre-season after the Euro. Oh, mm. I love Juve. I'm staying, I'm staying, I'm staying. And then bang, he's out. Yeah, I think it's good more for him, though. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think he needs... He needs that challenge, and I think he's good enough. He has proven. No, he'll score. He'll goals. score more he, goals than. than who Italy, you think I is going to be the top goal scorer, Lukaku or Ronaldo? Ronaldo. Okay. Yep. But Lukaku is a brilliant player. I know, but look, it's not going to be easy for Lukaku now because hmm. Ronaldo is there. So we yeah. know he score. No matter how he plays, that day Ronaldo will score. Yep. Three scored three in two games. So. An absolute freak. <laughs> so the Premier League's back for uh, this weekend and uh, there's some big games. Um, Arsenal-West Ham, the derby. I think that's probably the pick of the, the weekend. Chelsea-Liverpool. Liverpool had a good win this morning and obviously Chelsea uh, were okay as well in the Champions League. Yeah, Liverpool, they, uh, Liverpool beating AC Milan by three goals to do. Cracking match. And the, the games carry on until uh, Monday morning our time where Wolves take on Manchester City. Mm-hmm. And Arsenal got their first win for the season as well. Woohoo. Against Norwich. Woohoo. <laughs> but how about the FFA Cup? It kicked <laughs> off this week finally, and there's a little mm. bit of uh, noise. So Brisbane Raw took on Peninsula Power. Looked to be not a bad crowd. 
I think it was just over 2,000, which is pretty good. Pretty good. The pitch looked atrocious because mm. it was marked for rugby league. Yeah. Which is no good. It was Dolphin Stadium, I think it was, yeah. And the quality of, of football for me, mm, yeah. Well, it begs the question. But uh, it's because it's, uh, well, yeah. Well, most of the team are doing preseason. Yeah. It, it could be a fact or, or what do you think the quality well, is dropping or... Oh, are clubs well, taking it seriously? That's the other big question. No, I think they will be taking it seriously because there's a Champions League spot at stake at, yep. for the winner now. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, mm-hmm. before we get into that, the Champions League, Australia's only uh, been reduced to one Champions League spot and two AFC Cup spots. Mm. Does that mean the only ones going in the FFA Cup and then A-League only get the AFC Cup, which is the league... Uh, you know what? Underneath? I can't give you an answer. That's, that's right, interesting yeah. if it's going to have a there's an opportunity for an NPL club to represent us in the Champions League. It's going to give only them the money to travel. I know. I don't know where that's going to come from, but <laughs> it'll be a nightmare. But AFC Cup, uh, A-League clubs had a chance to get into it, um, I'd say, 12 years ago. Yeah. They rejected it mm. because you play clubs that are virtually unknown to a lot yeah. of people in Australia and you go, you go to some of the most exotic places <laughs> in Asia. And it really is a shame how we've dropped away with the Champions League and the uh, Asian Football Confederation. But that's a, an argument for another day. But it's good to see if they cut back. It is. And um, like uh, the reason why I say the clubs are not taking this seriously is that all three um, scorers for Brisbane Raw, A-League, one of uh, A-League's uh, good clubs, they, they're all debutants. So they've got all young players. It's basically a pre-season cup for them. Mm. That's the way they're treating yeah. it. Mm. Is, that what you, is that what you get from it as well? Well, I hope it was. Yeah, because I'd like to see the quality improve, mm. and uh, I'm sure it will because the A League clubs are in preseason and the NPL clubs yep. are coming, mm. you know, to to the end of the season. And touching on that, Cote, and this is what I really like because this weekend, for a lot of NPL clubs in South over Australia? here, you've got promotional games, relegation, and there's a lot on the line, championship, and and you're in a situation as well with the Salisbury Inter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot happening well with MPL. Uh, with women, women's MPL, we have three rounds left before playoff. Um, my team, Salisbury Inter, we sit on top, very happy. Uh, if we keep performing, winning, we can win the league and then we go to, we, we have an option to win double. Hopefully, you know, we got to go step by step. We have also this weekend um, football NTC against Adelaide City, Adelaide Commons against Adelaide University. I have to mention when I, I wasn't here, but we also won the cup. That's the so, first time. Yeah. First time in history, Salisbury won that cup. And what a great moment, you know, to be part of history. Congratulations. It's, it's, thank you so much. So that shows also the club is doing the right thing with women's and we're very happy with that. So, um, Simon Catanzaro made a difference as, Kata, as yeah, the coach. yeah, of course, yeah. Um, big difference, uh, you know, when you make a team not just to win but working together. And I think uh, it's part of the mentality of the club, bringing that type of coach, and he's mm. been amazing, amazing, and all my my team, really. So uh, you can watch the games this Friday and NPL app, or you app. can come. Another app. <laughs> <laughs> the NPL TV. For free. <laughs> but you, I think I would recommend you come out and yeah. um, Vala Football Center. We play a 6.15 game from 6.15 until 10. Still at work, Cote. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone invited. You're off to Sydney uh, FC in A-League over summer. Will we see you back in the NPL next year? Because you've lit up the league this year. In yeah. South Australia? Look, I don't know. I don't know what is this going to take me, but um, I'm focusing, yeah, I'm focusing to finish my MPL with my team. Um, we're looking 
forward to play, you know, the final and hopefully to win. Um, that's what we're working for. But and then I, I'm completely focused on Sydney. We will see what happens after. Still, we don't know. Things change. But yeah, um, we keep watching football and exciting times. Absolutely. For finals and 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 new league coming soon in November, probably W League and A League. Absolutely, and Val will download those up for you later as well, so and you can watch all ber- the football. I've, I've got, yeah. <laughs> and happy birthday to Val! Happy birthday, Val! Yes, Val. Happy 60th! <laughs> it's the real football show.